You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. On this episode of Talking Taiwan, you'll find out about a sewing circle that has taken on making masks. First, for frontline medical and essential workers, and now for vulnerable marginalized communities who have no financial means to purchase masks. My guests are Valerie So, an Asian American studies professor and filmmaker, and Christina Wong, a performance artist, comedian, writer, and elected representative. Valerie has been on Talking Taiwan previously to talk about her documentary film, Love Boat Taiwan, and she recently made a micro-documentary about how she's been sewing masks with a group called the Anti-Sewing Squad. I'm not quite sure how it happened, but somehow I got involved with a sewing circle that Christina Wong organized on Facebook sometime around mid-March 2020. The COVID-19 crisis had just started to take over our lives in the U.S., and due to the criminal negligence of the Trump administration, hospital workers had little or no personal protective equipment available. So Christina started sewing masks for those frontliners, and I joined in. Pretty soon after that, due to the huge leap in demand, there was a run on elastic for masks, and we started looking for alternatives. Some people were making their own ties out of strips of fabric or using the plundered elastic from fitted bed sheets, but my friend Grace Yu suggested using lanyards cut from conference badges, which suited me a bit better since it didn't require any extra sewing or handwork. Christina Wong, who is the force behind the anti-sewing squad, recently streamed over Zoom and YouTube her latest work born out of the current COVID-19 lockdown, Christina Wong, Sweatshop Overlord. Welcome to America, where your medical professional might be wearing an upcycled mask made from Center for Asian American Media Film Festival lanyards or your old Belle and Sebastian concert shirts. What or who is the Anti-Sewing Squad? It is a group of people of all genders who have turned their living rooms into sweatshops to make masks to stop the spread of COVID-19. They share resources on patterns, fabric, and elastic. Many of them are in Los Angeles, but they are everywhere. Now, let's turn to my conversation with Christina and Valerie. Welcome back to the podcast, Valerie, and welcome, Christina. Thank you. Hi. Happy apocalypse. <laughs> So, um, Christina, could you briefly introduce yourself and to what you do as a performance artist and how COVID-19 has personally affected you? Well, my intro of late has been Christina Wong was a performance artist, a comedian, and an elected rep in Koreatown, but now she runs the Auntie Sewing Squad, which is a group of volunteers who are sewing personal protective equipment on our home sewing machines because of the federal government's failure to provide and prepare for this crisis. And uh, so, so I went from touring um, shows across the country to now pricing out elastic and 100% cotton fabric. And, uh, and now we're in like week six of what was supposed to be a stopgap um, and so <laughs> of sewing packs. Our home sewing machines, uh, um, our group uh, not necessarily by design or intention is a lot of Asian American women. Um, and we have become quite a caring and supportive community, um, both for the masks that we're making for other communities, uh, but also for each other in this time. And I think that's what makes our community remarkable. 
So uh, right now I'm working on a new show, which I had no intention. <laughs> if you told me two weeks ago, hey, we're going we're gonna to go into lockdown. I had no idea. Uh-huh. Um, I went recording a show about uh, Christine Wong for public office, which was about me running for public office in Koreatown and winning. Um, and it, the idea was that show was supposed to tour alongside all the election shenanigans that we're supposed to be witnessing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that, of course, isn't happening. Uh, and now, now my new show is called Christina Wong Sweatshop Overlord. And it's being performed on Zoom. <laughs> and it's sort of like a real-life diary um, enacted in my bedroom um, of, of what the last few weeks have been like to go from basically making a few masks to like, trying to figure out how to send a, a caravan of, of fabric to the Navajo Nation and other and, and get things across the border to migrants stuck at the border. So um can talk more about that, but yeah. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> who who I, I am, who I was, I have no idea, but this is what I know <laughs> I'm doing right now. I'm running a sweatshop. And Valerie, award-winning filmmaker, who's in it? Yes, and I'm just peeing on. <laughs> Let's pause here to share a clip with our listeners from your show, Christina Wong's Sweatshop Overlord. I actually didn't wear a mask in February because I was trying to protect myself. Not from the virus, but from being a target of harassment and assault. You know, see, it doesn't matter if I'm third generation Chinese American. It doesn't matter that this virus was caused by a bat and doesn't have a nationality. This is a mask that I cannot take off. It already tells people that maybe I'm an immigrant, that maybe I don't speak English, that maybe I'm just visiting from this monolith that is Asia, that maybe I'm the one who just got off the airplane and brought the virus here as my deep conspiracy to bring this virus here. So tell me about this clip. Is it true that in the beginning you didn't even want to wear a mask? I had no idea we'd end up in this situation. If I knew this was going to happen, I would have started sewing. In February, I would have invested in sergers. I'm just going to put that out there, and I would have stockpiled fabric. But anyway, <laughs> but before all that, I mean, I, I had never even worn a face mask before in February, and I live in Koreatown, and my, um, my co-working space is in Chinatown. So I, I travel between the two alternate, you know, other <laughs> other really Asian neighborhoods in the uh, and and I and I so I see a lot of Asian people and they were wearing masks and I would find myself gawking and like <gasps> like oh my god are you sick you know and and then like having to check myself and that for that reason I didn't want to wear a mask myself because I didn't want to be stared at I didn't want to be the I didn't want to make myself a further target mm-hmm. of. Uh, uh, verbal or physical assaults and right. and, and in this weird way it was like i i chose not to wear a mask as a form of protection yeah and valerie how <laughs> did you get involved in all this you know i can't really remember that's the weird thing um i think christina and i uh, were just kind of serendipitously both thinking about making cotton masks for ourselves maybe some of our friends and then I think I remember at one point we did we both did like a Facebook Live of us sewing masks. And then I think maybe a few days later, uh, Christina created this Facebook group, the mm-hmm. anti, anti-sewing squad, that, you know, seemed modest. <laughs> <laughs> now we have 600 members. 600 no, now? Yeah, there's more than 600 now. I just looked. There's 610 people. Wow. I think there's 500 left. It's They're kind of like active, but it's all... It's, no. It's like yeah. such a process because we've got to onboard them, uh-huh. we've got to introduce them to the ecosystem. And the bigger, you know, it's great to have more help, but the bigger it gets, it's more to manage and it's yes. more 
chance because we yeah. we have a very giving system of like we have empty care so we have like food and um big goods that Got sort of cake well, it sort of happened organically because basically I was getting so angry that I was sitting around sewing and I and it was it was much more exhaustive in the first few weeks because everyone needed a mask and I, I'm, I must have been like one of 10 people offering or something because everyone was hitting me up. And, um, and I was just getting slammed with requests from hospitals. And I was like, wait, you want me to make you fucking medical equipment on my Hello Kitty sewing machine? <laughs> wow. And, wow. And it was just so hard to find the stuff to make it. Like mm-hmm. people were sending money, but it's like I had nothing to spend the money on. And oh, we dear. actually are still in that situation. Like really? we, Wow. We, uh, our friends in the Navajo Nation want us to send them sergers because they can sew too, you know? They yeah. just don't, this, these machines would speed up that process because they, um, they of course, have uh, closer access to people to give it to and a better sense of exactly what's needed, whether that's an isolation gown or hospital booties. Mm-hmm. And we, Rebecca Solnit, another uh, friend, Croft Vaughn, off, you know, offer to pay for three of these sergers and we cannot find these machines. And wow, really? Even at Joanne's, the worst wow. web, like the worst craft store in the world, VTW. <laughs> I hate Joanne's. That's that's. <laughs> I mean, luckily, uh, Christina and a lot of the other Los Angeles folks live near the garment district in LA, so they've been able to go pillage a bunch of the um, garment supply stores to get elastic and fa- and the fabric we get donated, which is uh, mostly donated, which is great. Oh, that's amazing. But some people, I mean, there's one there's one person who still only uses bed sheets and tears them up with her hands because she has arthritis oh, and then Helen um, Helen, Helen Lee yeah. so it's like you know we say can we give you scissors Helen's like no I'm tearing oh, it up with my bare hands bitch wow, that's yeah, serious the, the business. Fabric, yeah the fabric um and, and I, I I feel like this is important to know because there's so many levels of invisibility to us doing this work mm-hmm. but I I don't people and if, if you are like a super amazon prime person and you're just used to pressing a button and getting it i think i want to make clear to people how much labor this is yeah. we don't do this professionally even mm-hmm. the people who do this professionally mm-hmm. do it under really difficult conditions mm-hmm. and and um the fabric the elastic like the work it takes to source that the mm-hmm. work it takes for for me to send a volunteer down to the garment district is dangerous because they're exposing themselves to the virus Mm -hmm. and so we at one point one of our volunteers Leilani she used to dance in a hula halal Mm -hmm. 20 years ago she cut up her old hula costumes to make donation and then we had um we've had like these incredible photo stories people put this is uh, my mother passed away and left me this Mm -hmm. fabric Oh my goodness! Yeah. These are these are this is elastic from my yoga tops. Wow. This is uh this is elastic from a fitted bed sheet. Yeah, so it's like not, this is the, not systematic at all. You know, it's sure. very DIY and it's very mm-hmm. ad hoc and it's very grassroots. Yes. And I mean, it's it's and it's and I think that that's kind of cool in a lot of ways because then a lot of people feel like they're really invested as opposed to just like you know like maybe Christina saying, "Look, here's some fabric made," you know. So people say, oh, I'll go dig up some fabric. I'll ask my friends. I'll find out where people need to masks. And then I'll be in charge of like that particular order of masks, that, that ask, that request. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're really trying to like spread, you know, delegate the responsibility and give people that ownership. So it's not like they just feel like they're, they're workers, you know, because yeah. they're really right. not. That's the right. whole point. Right. We're a little bit more decentralized than some of the other yeah. mask groups where they just, uh-huh. just have sewers and just have runners and, and they have 
one hospital they're shipping to. And um, so, so aunties are, but it, it does make things confusing for new folks. Yeah, for better or worse, them. right? whatever words but like there are just some things that people are very passionate about and they'll Mm -hmm. put the ask out and they'll ask aunties to help pitch in for it um so our first gigantic ask was a few weeks ago it was 800 masks that we needed from the navajo nation and that was a big wow 800 it took 23 aunties pitching in to to meet that goal Uh and we met it you know And, and so so this is this is a very, there's a very specific way we work. And what we've found too, um, like the hospitals are something that are, that haven't been as urgent. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I mean, I'm sure the urgency is still there, but, but now this particular group seems to be moving more towards border communities. And that's like people, migrants who are, are seeking asylum, um, people getting out of ICE detention, uh, women getting a prison, getting released from women coming out of detention and yeah, like nursing homes, nursing home farmers, farm workers, yeah, yeah. Day laborers. Like these are communities that the federal government doesn't even care about before all this, yeah, and and has completely left behind now. And then First Nations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've learned more about what it takes to get stuff to the Navajo Nation than I ever imagined. <laughs> it's kind of horrifying, um, in in that. Right, that you've had to learn all this, and now you know the situation. Because, the, because the government, yeah, the government's ahead. not stepping in where they should uh-huh. be. Right, you know, it's not right. it shouldn't be our job. Right, like, build this gap. Right, for yeah. the federal government's incompetency. Unfortunately, yeah. it has become our our a vocation. Valerie, what are your thoughts on mask wearing? I mean, when I've spent a lot of time in Asia, and it really was really, really like confusing to me. It's like, why is this like, there this like phobia about wearing a face mask? Cause you know, like in Japan, it's like, you know, you get to wake up in the morning, you just have like a bad face day, you put on a mask or you don't want to <laughs> shave or you put on lipstick, you know? And then they also are super like trendy and fashionable among like musicians and artists. So like you see like a rapper from Korea, they're going to be wearing like a mask around their neck. Cause it's like, it's hard, it's gangster. So it's like, what is going? So I don't understand why people in the U.S. are so freaked out about this mask thing. Yeah. It's like, what, 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 what? And now it's become like a big ass issue because you know these people who are a little less sensitive to other people's needs, right. And are making it like a big deal, like their rights are being infringed. You know, it's like, well, my right is I don't want to die. I'm sorry. So I'm being a little unreasonable. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's there's a lot of conflicting. There was a lot of conflicting information about masks. Yes, well, that's um, true. About whether or not they were effective or not. So yeah, yeah. I mean, right. it, it was like, do I want to both be a target, wear this useless mask? Um, but but the, it it took the hospitals asking people to make masks for me. Go well, no, it must be useful. But we we as mask makers, I will say, probably get forwarded the same <laughs> five links about masks. And one is the stupid Joanne's link about the free mask, the quote unquote free mask kits. Fuck that shit. That shit is bullshit. It's not a real mask kit. It's just a bunch of clearance scraps and rubber bands. Wow. Um, the other one is a, is this like, look, science is on your side. It's an article about how cloth masks aren't effective. Oh. And then there's the counter to that, which is about how some like wearing masks in Asia actually brought down infection rate. Right. 
Um, and then <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the other two mask links are, but yeah, they're like, those are the links that we're constantly getting. And, and I, it was so fucking stressful the first few, first week of this. Cause I'm making right, masks. You get bombarded by all this. Yeah. Sorry to show you this. But science isn't on your side. And I'm just like... Well, the U.S. government was saying that. They were saying masks are effective. So, I mean, that's just another example of how the federal government completely, like, fucked this up. You know? Yeah, and then yeah, all of a sudden, they're like, not oh, stepping wait, up, yeah. Sorry, last, yeah. Oops, sorry. Did I, I make cursing on, on no, you? No, no. This is a podcast. This is not, uh, you know, we don't have any censorship <laughs> here. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, it's an, it's an example of how the federal government completely didn't know what they were doing and really had so many mixed messages, which, you know, is emblematic of the of the response in this country so when i look at a country like taiwan or south korea you know i was like oh wow things went really well there because they have leadership and intelligence and science as opposed to stupidity and superstition and greed <laughs> yeah well but there's also like i think some cultural differences too like with you know how people value their like freedom of choice and the freedom to move about and you know the cultural like um how accustomed people are to the idea of wearing masks there's so many like different issues too well i mean i think for me the biggest issue the reason why asian countries are wear masks is because sars was Yes. Killed a lot of people. Mm -hmm. They know about what happens with mm -hmm. infectious diseases, mm -hmm. so they're not messing around. I mean, Hong yeah. Kong people know. That's why 99% of the people put on masks. Yeah, yeah so, and the air pollution there, you know, because there's in Taiwan, there's a lot of scooters <laughs> and people it. are are accustomed yeah. to protecting yeah. themselves in the air pollution. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. What's also crazy is, um, well, what came up? Valerie actually brought it up. In, Valerie won't say who, but made it into my show. But like, I guess someone had an issue with the casual use of the word sweatshop that was thrown around. I call it a sweatshop because I'm exhausted. Um, at least the, the, the way I'm experiencing the workload from this point of view is like the first few weeks, it was like 80 hours a week, could wow. barely sleep, constantly wow. running in and out of my house with yeah. fistfuls of elastic. Right. Like, exhausted, hungry, you know. Um, and this, none of this is necessary. Like I should not be looking at my, <laughs> at my clothes, wondering what I should sacrifice so the nurse doesn't die. You know. Oh my. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So so anyway, someone had an issue with that, and this discussion came up, and some folks were like, "We're not into that term because if they felt like it diminishes the real experiences of of sweatshop workers, both in America and overseas." Um, and, and that unlike them, we have the choice to pee. We have the privilege of this time to do this. Uh, but for me, I feel like I use this term because I don't want to romanticize this as volunteer work. Like, mm -hmm. I don't like, well, we just, we just do this. Like, this, this situation is so crazy that we've been put on. And it's criminal neglect on the part of the federal government. And, uh, and this, this, this level of, like, we're, if we are this prosperous nation, why why are we doing this? <laughs> Why don't we have access to these basic things? Why five weeks later are the factories not so ever like, why are they all back ordered? You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. like, it so, actually is a matter of, it's a matter of life and death. I mean, it is really serious. The things that, you know, that we're encountering. And even though it seems like a really small thing to just make a face mask, right? 
it's yeah it's not a small thing not at all because you're serving communities who don't have access to that and who cannot afford that you know and what's going to happen to them and you're in new york city and you know you how the people who are most impacted there are like transit workers right people of color uh frontliners in the hospitals it's not it's not rich people on park avenue who need masks yeah yeah so, yeah, so this group just, like, started with, like, a, the anti-sewing squad started with about a dozen people, and now you have over 600 people. Like, do you remember when this group really started to explode? Like, when did you hit, like, the first hundred? Like, how long did that take? Was the it, like, group, days or weeks? Um, uh, we looked it up. The, the group started on March 24th. I made my first mask on March 20th. Mm-hmm. Realized a few days later I need a little bit of help. And if I join another mask group, I'm going to end up working. was like, well, let me just do this. And I, 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 I want to say by the end of the week, we had our first hundred. And then like, it was like a hundred every few days. Wow. Oh my goodness. Um, and and it, I was able to speak very casually to everybody. Right. And we had a very casual rapport. And then we had to like, in, just kind of still more and more protocol because uh, people were just dumping like, Oh, I saw this on the internet. These people need masks. And like, it's like not useful because it, right. someone needs to do the legwork to get it to them mm-hmm. and seeing a hundred bullshit calls for masks. And I'm saying bullshit because, because some of them um, have outdated information or don't have details. Mm-hmm. And sometimes these memes go around the internet and it's, uh, it, as it turns out, this hospital can't take masks. And mm-hmm. we didn't figure that out until after they made this meme. Mm-hmm. But this meme is still going around. And um, like in the case of Navajo Nation, if they're federal funded, they can't take cloth masks and they just throw them in the trash. So, uh, so anyway, so we had to put in a protocol because people who, you know, for the most part, think they're being useful <laughs> we're just creating more work and confusion um, especially because like with the Navajo Nation there's like so many different organizers collecting stuff right so we needed like one person to just organize the Navajo requests and the address right. it right because it could be easy to find someone like for someone else to stumble on another address and then send it to the wrong place I have to say one thing that's kind of been fun about the group is that there are people who kind of have found their niche you know it's like they there's a lot of people who don't sew they just mm-hmm. cut Right, and then there's people who only like there's a few people who only bake bread. (laughs) So they're part of your care squad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a care squad. And then there's like there's people who are only really good at making spreadsheets and organizing stuff, and they are totally on top of it, like these super aunties. Yeah. So it's I mean it's again it's it's like you can kind of like what you want to do and fit in. Um, you know we have (laughs) Rebecca Solnit is now part of our group, and she is the writing auntie, and she writes articles about us sometimes, and she gives us her books. (laughs) Her job, you know. She also wanted a serger for the Navajo Nation. Is she did buy a couple surgeries? One for sale. She's also famous. Famous writing auntie, so she has some a little bit of capital. So right, where do, do, has she written about you in certain publications? Then should uh, share a link with me. Article coming, um, okay. coming. This article in the Guardian, and, mm-hmm. and she actually reached out to me this morning and was like, "So how can I can I help? Because I'm a slow sewer, and I I do have some influence." And I was like, "Yeah, I know you do." And I said, <laughs> well, we a little bit. I really feel like what we need is. Um, someone to archive this work because if civilization survives in another hundred years, um, I, I, <laughs> and we look back on this time during the plague of 2020, I want it to be remembered that women of color stepped up 
and did this work that it, and that it wasn't like this romantic wa- right. like white crafter lady mm-hmm. like that looked like the enemy um, very paradoxically we're doing the, the, the work to support all these communities that have gotten left behind and um, and and that our own community it's not just a bunch of worker bees like the the, the joke is I'm the overlord and that I will cut off your fingers I, that's not a joke actually I will cut <laughs> off fingers if you don't use the last time I you because it was so hard to find but <laughs> but like but that we we do like support each other we do look out for each other's care and um, who's the the uh, the unarmed black man who was shot yesterday I don't um, oh, it wasn't a shot yesterday, but the video came out. The video came out, yeah. So uh, one of the aunties who doesn't so really wanted us as a gesture of love to um, make some masks for the NAACP. In his hometown. In his hometown, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so I, I think we, we are experiencing grief in specific ways. And this mm-hmm. has been one kind of healing way to, to sort of give and love uh, when we can't see each other and we can't show support in any other way. And I, I think that is very significant. Like I'm, I'm kind of stunned. I'm like, is this, am I in a cult? Am I running a cult? <laughs> like, there's so much love, so much love and, and so much fervor. But you know, this is a time where people are really looking for purpose and, um, and feel helpless. And, and this sewing is just like one beautiful small gesture of love mm-hmm. uh, and care that we know how to do. Yeah, and like and you said, we know how to do it. We know how to bake for the people who are right. Or yeah, I know it's amazing. And like you said, it's even beyond just the sewing because people are um, using their own personal garments and like you know <laughs> to make these masks and things We're like move that. Away from that, yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, so, um, are most of the aunties located in California, or have they? Uh, do you have any squads like in other parts of the country? We, um, yeah, so I think also what also makes us different than other groups is because we are dispersed everywhere. We're mostly in Los Angeles. So uh, uh, I'm a main, my, 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 I think most of the masks, homemade masks have now at some point, some element of them have come through my living room. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we have a big hub in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I'm an elastic hub. I should have yeah. an elastic. Valerie distributes elastic. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and then we also have aunties in Arizona, wow. um, some I in Florida. Maine. Maine, yeah. We have, uh, uh, yeah. So we've, we're organized a little bit differently than these groups that work locally. And they have like a coordinator just picks up in that neighborhood and drops it off locally. Like, we're, <laughs> I, I don't, it might not be totally efficient, but it, it seems to, we seem to make it work. I feel like post postage is probably like one of the big the biggest cash outlays. Yeah, uh-huh. it is. a lot of stuff is needed. So yeah, yeah, because like if an auntie lives off in a small town, there's no one to go pick it up. So that auntie just mails off the masks and asks for a reimbursement. So get, that's where it can add up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that, but that's where a lot of the donation money goes to is uh, to, to to help reimburse for postage. Right, Since we're not paying for our labor. So um, less organized than it sounds like, though. I just want to say that right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's not that it's not it didn't work, but it is really kind of like just 
you know, very like organic, if you want to use that word. And now we have these insane spreadsheets with drop down menus. Like well, you, can't see them. you don't see them, Valerie, but I see uh, them. Wow. And I, yeah. How did this happen? I was literally like half laying in bed and I was like, what do I call this? Auntie, Auntie Sewing Squad. Like not realizing the acronym was going to be ass. Like I, just, <laughs> I was literally like, a few people we together. Own it. We own it. To talk to <laughs> and maybe help me sew these things. Like, and now it's become like, <laughs> we're doing gay. <laughs> yeah, I, literally, I literally have no, no memory. Well, yeah. well, let me tell you, when I talked to Grace, she actually um, said that you guys are very well organized. So I'll make sure I put her sound clip in here that says this group is really okay. super organized. Maybe we are organized, but it's not like, not like rigidly organized. Maybe sure. Say. Yeah. You know I mean. Right. It's like it's not like it's like hard and fast rules about every single thing that happens. So no, no, you have guidelines, and it sounds like you know if you make people proactive and autonomous for themselves, and then people who are specialized with certain skills, they can focus on what they can bring to the table, and that's the best way they can serve the group. Yeah, and, and people so, just come up and say, "How can I help?" And uh, they just show like literally post that, and I go, "Well, what do you feel like you're good at? What you want to do?" Like you want to, you want to do a spreadsheet. You want to <laughs> run around in the car. Or like, what do you want to do? <laughs> um, a page for us. Yeah, yeah. You want to run the run the electronic rotary cutter and just cut up things. That's yeah. right. right. Yeah. So that brings us to my question: How can people support the anti sewing squad in general if they want to donate? And um, you did mention that a lot of the donations go toward the postage, but if there are people want to give donations, where do they give it? And um, where is it, what is it going to be used toward? Um, okay, so the donations can be sent towards my Venmo, which I know sounds super shady, but I haven't had an issue. People have sent tens of thousands of dollars to me in the last few weeks, and I haven't pocketed any of it. Um, it's Give Christina Wong Money. And I, you know, people were like, why don't we open a checking account? I'm like, because we're not supposed to be around this long. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to be a stopgap. We just happen to be going into month two. Um, but anyway, so that that all that money would help cover our uh, our costs related to postage, buying materials, and um, that's it. And maybe some like if we do this uh, van trip to the Navajo Nation, like gas reimbursement and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And we have used that money to support other mask groups because um, there are other mask groups who. Like they have the labor on standby, but no materials. So I've just given, because we, we've been very fortunate. Um, I think we have a very good story that people are compelled by and they've been very generous. So I've given these other mass groups enough so they can get started. Um, and then uh, uh, it became very clear to us that this, this work is very hard on our bodies. It's exhausting. Um, and it's also super lonely. We, we are mm -hmm. subject to the same stress and loneliness yeah, because it's not like you're doing this all together. You're doing this individually in your homes for long yeah. hours. Yeah, and, and, and basically, you know, the first couple weeks of this, I wasn't eating, not because I was like on a hunger strike, but because <laughs> literally the phone was ringing so much yeah. and people were constantly outside needing things yeah. that I couldn't stop. And someone stepped in and was like, I'm going to have food sent to you. And I was like, thank you. And it was like the greatest treat. And it made me feel so much less bitter about it. Mm -hmm. And then so many people began to offer food that mm -hmm. I began to direct those deliveries to the other sewers. Then I asked Gail Easta to be our care coordinator to basically just 
coordinate offerings and deliveries of, of this care. And I think it's probably the best part of our group that, that is very yeah. unique to us as a mask. And it was sort of happening too. Like people were showing up for stuff and they'd give me a bottle of wine or some cookies they made. And it was just like, right. it was really sweet. And, and so this is just one way that we've been able to make sure everyone gets a little bit of care. And, and we found that like some women are having, uh, and I say women because it is mostly the women who who have not been asking for support. And so we now can nominate for them to get some care and support. And some of them love it. Wow. Some of them are not afraid to ask for it. That's amazing. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Valerie is a, uh, I like every sweets offered. <laughs> I really would like some savories now. I'm just, <laughs> I never actually used to eat that many baked goods. But you know, was like, when you were like, I only made 125 masks. I'm like 125 divided by a jar of jam I've seen. <laughs> no, no, there's like marmalade, <laughs> jam, cookies, lemon. <laughs> and like Valerie, Valerie is the hustler that I keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're naming up all the treats that you've been given. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Valerie's been hustling all the treats. Valerie finally like revealed the numbers of how many masks she actually made, and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> oh, no, Something doesn't like, add up. Slacker collecting food. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, yeah, so my next question, like, it uh, kind of brings me to the question, which I know the answer to, but I'm sure the logical question of a lot of our listeners is, do you plan to turn what you're doing into a nonprofit organization? No! And please Fuck tell no. us why not. <laughs> no, that's the answer. We need to be going out of business soon. Yeah, the goal is to become obsolete. The government like, needs to figure right, out. Right. This is not a sustainable model. It's a model that can only exist at this point in time where people aren't at work. I had a brief flash of like, well, when this course is over, what else could we sew? And I went, nothing. We're not doing this. We're not doing this again. We're going to have a retirement party when this is over. And, <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to keep our friendships and that's it. We're not, we're not forming a fucking nonprofit. I'm not applying for funding. Like, no. No, 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 no. But, no. <laughs> but do, do, don't we want like corporate sponsorship from Singer though? And Joe um, Another group has it and it uh, is well, us, uh, sewing machines. But, but um, you know, if you want to brand your um, startup or your like venture capitalist firm with us, we'll take maybe. Yes. Oh yeah. We'll take, we'll take your money. But yeah, we'll I, don't, I don't want to, like, I'm not, I'm in quarantine. I'm not going to go to the trouble of forming a board and filing paperwork. And, like, we were really only supposed to be two to three weeks old. And now I keep checking in with other mask groups, and some of them are like, we're planning this out to December. Oh, we may wow. go six months. We're just going to go to May 15th. And I'm just like, I like the May 15th answer. I don't want to do this till December. This okay, is so your plans are only to do this till May 15th? That's another group. Yeah. Um, oh, oh. I, I don't know because I, I've asked the group. We right, I, and right. uh, I say, how long do you? Because I'll try to support where I can. I I know I can't work at the pace I've been working. Yeah, no, it's not sustainable. Forever. This it's is, important to delegate. We're trying to delegate more. Yes. Yeah. 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 And and also kind of keep it at a pace because people are re returning to their jobs even from home and yeah. Um. So there's got to be a way like a rhythm in place so that like, Oh, I just got bored and 
<laughs> or unwound when made 20 masks, where do they go? You know, like, so we just have a system in place for that. But like, I do feel like, I do feel like people, you know, the members get a lot out of it. So it's not like I feel like that they're being forced to do it at all. You know, yeah. I mean, I feel like they really want to do it because it, yeah. it makes their life like more meaningful. It gives them something to do. You know, they feel like they're contributing to making things better. So it's like, you know, it's a service that if they're willing to keep doing it. Yeah. And they're yeah. To help out with that infrastructure, you know. Right. Yeah. And hopefully people are just managing themselves and being mindful of like what time they have to do that if they have to go back to work or yeah. have other obligations. Yeah. And for the most part, there's been a few, a few, uh, stragglers i'll just use that di diplomatic term but like for the most part everyone's been very motivated mm -hmm. i mean we have a, just a few people i'm like what happened to the fabric i gave you why aren't you returning my texts are you running off of my stuff but you know that's only happened a few times but in any other setting in the world uh <laughs> like this a whole like christina offering reimbursements and fabric and all this kind of stuff could really be abused and i feel like people have really stepped up to their best selves yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I wish sure. I didn't say on this that I offer free reimbursements for postage because now all the postage thieves that listen to your podcast will join our group and produce fake <laughs> postal receipts. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. Um, great. Um, so is there anything else that I haven't covered that you'd like to share about the anti-sewing squad? Any like stories or anything you want the listeners to know? Uh, I, I was thinking of Grace You who is a Valerie's friend who teaches at state who is like my, like one of my like, like favorites. Like just so, <laughs> she didn't even know to sew before all this. Wow. And she just committed to like sewing for different groups. And, she borrowed um, someone's sewing machine to do this? Yeah. Um, and we taught her how to sew on Zoom, like how to thread her machine. And it was really hard. And yeah. Was, yeah. She was really, uh, like she thought the machine was broken, but it was just the bobbin. I, I was so proud of her. <laughs> right. I fixed, I fixed the machine via Facebook comments. Wow. Yeah. She had like the bobbin winder pushed to the right. When it's oh my goodness. Bobbin. But like the photos, she sent this photo of the grocery outlet worker wearing her mask and they're in the aisle. And it was like the cutest thing I'd ever seen. And I sent a picture of that to the, the fabric donor friend who sent it. And that was moving to that fabric donor friend. So I, th I feel like there's definitely, it's like, okay, we, we don't have art galleries and stuff right now <laughs> and runways and film fests, but we're seeing our work in a very different way, like on the faces of people. Right. Country, right. yeah, we're helping to survive. Yeah, I feel I feel like it's really fun for me. Yeah, when I see people wearing the masks, like I gave a whole bunch of masks to um, Rainbow Grocery here in San Francisco, mm -hmm. and I haven't been there since I gave it to them. And I'm wondering what it's going to be like if I go over there and like see everybody wearing my mask. Like, yeah, throws me off when people come pick up stuff and they're wearing a mask I made. I go, oh, that looks really. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't match thread. I'm like a really messy sewer, but some of the sewers are really they're like, who has white thread and black elastic? I'm like, are you fucking trying to match shit right now? They're <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe how snobby some of our aunties are with color. It's like, come on. We have standards. Standards. <laughs> I have like no standards. And then I see my mess with people. I'm like, yeah, that is a fucking mess that I sewed on your face. <laughs> That's really fun though, to see people wearing them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Valerie, you made a micro documentary for ADOC about um, being in the sewing circle, the anti-sewing squad. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I sort of explain it a little bit in this, the film, but um, when we started out making these masks, like mid-March, all of a sudden there was this huge run on elastic, right? We could not find elastic anywhere. Um, and so we started to try to think what we can do. So people were like ripping the elastic out of bed sheets and using that for like ear loops. Yeah. Um, I think Christina went and found a bunch of uh, hair elastics, right? Mm-hmm. Like headbands. Yeah, from the dollar store. Uh-huh. I, I, I thought it was the biggest find. I found headbands. And, we I was were like, so oh. excited. Huh. How we use we're them? like, oh my God, okay, this is how we're going to break this. But but did people use them? Um, <laughs> this other one, I still have the headbands because I came across oh, okay. the elastic. So we haven't really, yeah. So, but anyway, so Grace Yu, Grace Yu, the same person that we all taught how to sew on Zoom, said, oh, why don't we, we could use like the lanyards from these conferences that, you know, all these academics and filmmakers and artists go to that we have stacked up in our houses. I mean, you know, I probably had like 50 or 60. (laughs) Just myself. Yeah, like what do you do with those when you're done, right? What do you do with them? And then, so they were kind of about the right length and about the right width and so yeah then I started putting them in the the masks and um then people liked them because they you know they recognize their favorite film festival and so forth and some of them are really pretty you know the problem is that some of them have like big old corporate branding logos on them so it'll say like Sundance Film Festival Wells Fargo and so when I made these masks for instance like for Rainbow which is like a a socialist workers cooperative grocery (laughs) store yeah I had to sort through and make sure there were none of them that said Wells Fargo on them right. or Chase, you know, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> or upload.com or anything. So that took a while. That was wow. hard to do because yeah. almost every single one of them had some kind of corporate thing on it. It made me realize there was a lot of corporate branding on these logos, yeah. on these lanyards. So, yeah. But uh, that sort of points to just how, how uh, there is no supply chain, right? Like, like yeah. even Joanne's most terrible craft store in the entire world um, who you would think would have all the shit. They weren't prepared for this either. They are, they're out of surgers. They were out of elastic the first week. Yeah. Like, yeah, I went, it was none. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bananas. It is bananas um, to try to make this work with what we have. And, and I, uh, I had like posted about Valerie's discovery about the lanyards and I was like, welcome to America, where um, your medical professional is wearing an upcycled face mask, and people were just horrified, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would add to that another story, which I've been, which I told in the, on the show, but uh, when I finally found my friend Skip, who lives in the garment district, when I finally found this one place that was open, we bought them out of elastic, right? Uh, because I'm the Don Corleone of elastic, and I just... <laughs> No, I, I'll just dump hundreds of dollars at once on boxes of soft elastic. Wow. And, and uh, so this hospital in LA, which doesn't want its name said aloud for PR reasons, which, like it's so weird how close to this problem I'm getting. Wow. Um, the federal government dropped off uh, N95s that were mm-hmm. all broken. All the elastic was brittle. Oh, so the right. masks were staying on their face. Hmm. They were trying to tie the masks on their face with tourniquet rubbers. Hmm. And it, and, and it wasn't like the only way they could ask was a doctor had to ask someone who had to ask someone who asked Candace, who was this, is a coordinator in San Gabriel for another mask group, who asked me, do you have quarter inch flat elastic? And I'm like, I just bought out a place today. And, and uh, <laughs> so basically like the difference between life or death for these doctors, like on the floor of my living room. And when Candace came to get the elastic, I was like, do they need us to fix it? Because, you know. You know, we're yeah. handy. We can it. Sure. Like they won't. 
they will not let the masks leave the hospital because masks are getting stolen, even broken ones, I guess, um, and being resold. So 6,000 masks disappeared from another hospital. Oh, my goodness. Now they're being – they're in a locked room, broken masks with an armed guard. Now my elastic is probably in this room with the armed guard. (laughs) And I'm just like, what – where are we? Yeah. This is happening. Yeah. I'm like, like I should not be this close to this issue. I should just be watching Netflix. Right. And, and (sighs) doing my part by doing nothing. But, uh, but instead I'm like, how, how is this happening? That I'm like handing the soldiers ammo. That's incredible. Why why are we ordinary citizens filling this really important critical need? Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's a good question. It's That's gross. incredible. Yeah, that really puts things in perspective. But if I if I made it clear, fuck no, we are not turning into a nonprofit. <laughs> if we're at that point, then we really have screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Although I have to say, I'm kind of addicted to sewing these little masks now. It's like, oh my god, I was looking at some of my clothes today and thinking, hey, I could make that. It's like, no. no. <laughs> What happened at the end of the pandemic, a bunch of really talented filmmakers and artists decided that they they wanted to sew a... We're going back to the land because of you. (laughs) (laughs) Valerie said something funny. It was like, what did you say? Frontiersmanship is hard or something? You said really funny at the beginning of all this. Oh my God. You said a few things. One was like, this is our ancestral destiny. Was something Valerie said, and because <laughs> we're all government workers' children, <laughs> and yeah, and, and uh, front, uh, it's not word pioneership or what, what was the phrase you said is hard because that's what it fucking felt like, like it was oh. the Oregon Trail, and like we were like, trying to figure out how to I don't know. Yeah. come up with stuff. I have to, I have to scan my my Facebook comments for that. It is though, but it is important work at you that you guys are doing it, but you're you've created it from the ground up, and like you are pioneering this. Um, but it's not supposed to be your job to do this. No, it's not. And actually for me, it's been like partially for my own sanity. Otherwise I'd be just be like obsessively going on social media and being furious and upset and anxious about everything. So yeah. now instead of doing that, I just kind of, well, I do actually go on social media while I'm sewing. <laughs> so, you know, it, but I, at least I feel like I have a purpose now that is positive as opposed to just being full of rage. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important to have things to channel your energy at this time. Valerie, could you talk a little bit about the micro documentary that you made about the anti sewing squad for ADOC? After all, that is how I found out about this whole thing. You know, I think what happened was that um, Grace Lee and Leo Chang decided that they were th- maybe thinking a little bit about doing some kind of series about the COVID-19 crisis. And then Grace Lee is one of the people who sent me her giant bag of lanyards that she had. She's Her lanyards are the one that are in the clip where I'm pulling it out of the, like, 500 lanyards coming out of the bag. Actually, there's only about 50 lanyards, but still, coming out of the, the mailer. And so, um, and then she said... Uh, at some point she said, hey, we should make a little movie about this. You should make a clip about this because we're thinking of doing this series. Can you do that? So my, my clip became the, what they call a proof of concept, like the little pilot for their oh, program, which then they showed to, showed to other um, entities that gave them funding. For oh, that's so that important. I didn't know that. that. Yeah, so I want to say like MacArthur Foundation and then uh, the Center for Asian American Media and a, maybe another place, Board Foundation, maybe, I'm not sure. Um, but so, you know, so that was a way that they sort of like sold this idea. And now they've commissioned, I want to say many, many more of these to do. I think they got some, more than a hundred people to apply. 
they had an open call and now they've got like a whole bunch of people making these little clips that they're releasing, you know, every once or twice a week. So oh. I think two Oh, I don't know if you guys can hear right now, but it's kind of appropriate for, for the topic that we're on. I, I'm in New York here. It's seven o'clock, and there's a lot of like commotion going on outside um, because it's a seven o'clock. Thank you for the healthcare workers and essential workers out there. Um, I don't know if you can hear that. I have my window open. I can hear it. But Does that happen every night? Yeah, every night at seven p.m. Um, people go into the streets on their balconies, on their rooftops, and they clap and they cheer for all the healthcare yeah. workers because this is when the shift change happens. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. that, but I didn't realize that was what the timing was. Yes, that's why that. That's when why they are do leaving, that. going home. They can hear people cheer. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and Christina, um, I took a look at your YouTube channel, and you have a lot of really funny things, and you're hilarious. Like you're a comedian, a performance <laughs> artist, and all no, that. No, you, do you want to plug what you do or talk about? You know what I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, okay, let me let me backtrack. A lot of my shows are about me as a character named Christina Wong, who. Now, as I say this, I'm like, I've done it again with the Auntie Sewing Squad, who kind of has like <laughs> martyristic uh -huh. uh, intentions of like uh -huh. fixing things, but it's uh -huh. not that simple. It ends uh -huh. up um, just being more complicated. Uh -huh. So uh, one of the shows I toured for a long time was called Wong Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, where uh -huh. Christina Wong decides to do a show to end all depression and suicide among Asian uh -huh. women and without uh, it being autobiographical and insisting that it's not about herself and then it obviously is so that's that show and then my show that i was touring before christina wong for public office was about me going to africa which really happened mm -hmm. uh where i was going to do volunteer work and and be more useful than someone just getting in fights online with people <laughs> and i ended up making a rap album in uganda uh but also wow. having a very complicated experience as somebody who does a lot of activism here in America from this marginalized identity mm -hmm. and then being the face of colonialism over there. <laughs> and then uh, this recent show was about running for office. And um, I had, a, I did have a TV pilot at one point uh, when Obama was, was still in office. And then we had a shoot when Trump was, Oh uh, wow! And nothing made sense about the world. Yeah, like I was sort of the Trumpian character, and and uh -huh. and, uh, but it it didn't read as ironic or performed. Right, it just felt incredibly offensive. So <laughs> I was just like, wow, everything is turned upside yeah, down. Yeah, it's interesting. And, things change. The context changes. Yeah, politicians have taken my job from me as an artist. <laughs> so I'm going to run for office. Um, so, so that's this new show, which for right now is on hold because theaters can't have me out. Um, and then, uh, I have a web series called Radical Cram School, which uses children. Uh, there are some scripted episodes, but for the most part, it's, these kids just say crazy stuff and we were, we're teaching them about social justice and, uh, and equity. It's really fun. I did take a look at it. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very proud of that series. Uh, it's a series that um, right-wingers have come after me for, so I'm uh, pushing the right buttons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess in ways this, the sewing squad is sort of aligned to what I do. I sew my own set pieces. My aesthetic is... Wow. Um, I never imagined I'd be sewing medical equipment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but yeah, like, if you look at some of the pictures in my recent shows, and even Radical Cram School, you see a lot of fabric in the set, and it's 
like the idea is it's like a childlike um, aesthetic mm-hmm. uh, that's really playful mm-hmm. and, and fun. And now I like de- like using it to keep farm workers alive. So, <laughs> so that happened. Um, yeah, but that's that's my work. It's constantly about subverting and 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 having engagement in the world. Right. I don't know who I am anymore. I, right now, I'm in a sweatshop, so. <laughs> I don't think any of us know who we are anymore. We don't know what time of day it is. We don't know what we're mm. supposed to be doing. And you yeah, know, the time Zoom's exploded. I don't know what and... this three o'clock with Felicia is. I'm... You saw a <laughs> boat Taiwan, right? So yeah. Christina's in it, right? <laughs> yeah, she's in it for sure. Oh, yeah. did you go to Love Boat, Christina? Oh yeah. Oh, you did really? Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> how many times? Extremely- I'm the only one who who gave who like spilled the tea. Everyone else was <laughs> like, right. everybody hilarious. else was like a very polite. Everyone yeah. was like so dignified about their yeah. experience. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. what is this? Not not Christina. No. Nope. Not no, I wouldn't <laughs> imagine, especially after I I'm saw not. your show in the vagina part. So. <laughs> 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 so any any like words of advice or things for other people especially artists at this time who are trying to get through uh, the COVID-19 pandemic you know people isolating at home any advice <laughs> I think thoughts? it's really important to know that you are not helpless I think like and if you're bored honestly <laughs> fuck you and then and come to me I'll give you something to do because like this, this is actually an amazing moment to realize how much power you have, even if you can't leave your house, even if you have no income. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I feel like I am not bored. I don't, I am not having any, I keep hearing about all the deaths and all the horror and all that, but I, but I have not fallen into like an existential freak out that I did after 9-11 mm-hmm. and after the 2008 recession. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those two moments taught me like you can't, just sit around being helpless you have to like honestly if you bake bread for an auntie you will make their day um is an act of revolutionary resistance yeah it absolutely is stop being bored and if you are bored stop telling the internet that you're bored fight back yeah fight back so masks (laughs) <laughs> go down sewing as i say if this yes is the end, or find the end. some way to use your skills for some you know to help others to make some kind of good yeah. in the world yeah absolutely yeah okay wonderful thank you, thank you ladies i really appreciate it we'll keep thank in touch you. take care okay take bye. care bye bye christina bye valerie <laughs> I've been speaking with Christina Wong and Valerie So about the Anti-Sewing Squad, a group of people doing their part to fight COVID-19, one mask at a time. If you'd like to know more about the Anti-Sewing Squad, Christina or Valerie, just go to our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There you'll find links to their websites, social media handles, ways to donate to the Anti-Sewing Squad, and YouTube links to Christina's show, Christina Wong, Sweatshop Overlord and Valerie's micro-documentary, Sewing in the Time of Coronavirus. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.